I, I assume this is going to get edited out, but if it doesn't, um, I just thought I would um, talk to you guys about the importance of dental hygiene. Um, you should be each day brushing your teeth um, in the morning, and then you should do it again in the evening. Um, there's different brushes that you can use. There's soft bristled brushes, and then there's the more coarse bristled brushes. And you, you should check with your dentist to see which one is best um, for you. You don't want to be tearing up your gums by using like a, a, a toothbrush that has bristles that are too strong for you. Um, the other thing you might consider is a mouthwash like Listerine, uh, just to kind of kill you know the rest of the bacteria in your mouth and kind of make you... Um, fresh. And what I have heard is that doing that can, for some reason, help you not get sinus infections and sore throats and stuff because it like, it's like it kills all the germs that could cause that. Um, I personally only ever floss um, like in the lot, like in the bathroom at my dentist's office. But I am told the regular flossing is a good thing to do. Um, and you can either use the long string stuff like that maybe one of your parents or relatives can show you how to use or there's like the little handheld finger flossers that you can like pop in and out and that is um i always get those in my stocking for christmas um and every so often i will use them um what's happening i wasn't sure if if i was supposed to keep talking or if you were going to edit that breakout i was just going to edit it out okay i just gave like an overview on on like dental health and like brushing your teeth and stuff okay you don't have to keep it Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is my dear, dear, dear co-host, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm dear, I'm endearing. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. You can find us on Twitter at romancircuspod. I'm at, hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash RomanCircusPod. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review us, or you can find us anywhere else podcasts are. All right, Zach, what's Matt. going on? What's in the news? How have you been? Et cetera, et cetera. I've been really good. Um, staying quite busy uh, with lots of different things related to my accounting business and then um, you know, just some other side projects I'm working on. So I, I kind of miss the days of having like a 40 hour a week, uh, corporate job. Wow. It so seems like quickly. things were so much, so uh, quickly. What? You've, you've come back around so quickly. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go back to it. Like I love wh- what I'm doing now, but it, it was nice in a sense that like, you know, when I left work, work was over and now it just feels like I'm kind of having to learn how to create boundaries where I just am like, okay, I get that, you know, when you're in an office working with people, for the most part, the work stops when you're not in the office with them anymore. But like mm-hmm. when, when everything's remote, you really do have to create boundaries. Um, Everyone so wants I'm, a piece of the Mabry. Apparently it's like, ugh, I keep getting these people calling me. They're like, you have to pay for your electricity. And I'm like, 
that's so dramatic. Like I have a lot of other things I'm, I need to get to before this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we're going to shut it off. And I'm like, again, like, You're like the, hist- the histrionics are really not necessary. Do what? you want me to pay for the electricity in the apartment? Or are you, do, are you talking about my electric attitude and my electric persona? That's what you have to ask them. Right. And I was like, do you really have to be so needy and codependent? Like quit calling me. Um, but totally, 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 totally. You know, and they're still making me pay my student loan, which is such a scam. Um, you know, so that's my life. I sound mm-hmm. like I'm whining a lot, but actually things are really cool. And um, I have an appearance coming up on the Jen Fulweiler show. So if you want to do like a trial subscription to Sirius XM, um, time it so that you can hear me on November 7th with uh, Catholic speaker, author, and now comedian, uh, Jennifer Fulweiler. That's great. Uh, we should all do that. I don't know. Do you do you have to listen via your car, or can I listen on my phone? I'm legitimately asking. I've actually never looked into how you do this. I know. I feel off. I, I assumed it was one of those things that you could just like go to a website and stream. And so when I went to do that to like send my parents a link, because they usually like if I'm doing some kind of appearance, they like to. Um, you know, check in other than this podcast, they, uh, keep up with most things that I do either, you know, on video or audio, um, back on demand. Right. Right. I'm always like, did you listen to this week's podcast? And they're like, no, but we did see you. Uh, like we listened when you went on, um, the, the Taylor Schroll show. I was like, okay, well that's interesting. Um, <laughs> so so with Sirius XM, I think, so I, I had to look this up literally. So it did start as like, it was like the premium radio you could get in your car or rental car, you know. Um, and I think it used to be Sirius and XM, and then they had to combine. Um, but there's still people out here in the year of our Lord 2019 paying like a monthly fee for a radio. So that's what it is. Um, hmm. Like my car came with a six-month subscription when I got my car in 2011. Um, and it was cool because I would listen to the Catholic channel because I was going through my conversion and that's what this is on the Catholic channel on Sirius XM. Um, and, but then when it expired, I just kept getting letter after letter and Sirius XM was acting like I like was delinquent on something. And I was like, I never signed up for your service. And then, you know, like in the tiniest small print, it's like, if you're not interested in our service, please disregard. But the letter like read like a you know, your account is overdue type thing. That's why um, they call it serious, Zach. Right. It's like, why so serious? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a pop culture reference, if anyone didn't catch that. Of course. Of course. Um, so, yeah, so on the Catholic Channel, you can go. There's an app you can download on for, you know, Apple or Android devices. You can go to the website. But basically, to stream live, you do have to have the service. And so um, for that, you would you know, set up some kind of trial if you don't already have it. Um, I guess I just don't understand how useful it is. Like in a world of podcasts and Apple music and everything else being on stream and Spotify, it's like, but you know, Hey, why not sign up? Um, And then Jen actually does a weekly podcast where she takes kind of the best of moments of her radio show. And so in the event that the uh, interview goes well, it, it could be available on that in the days following. Okay, that's where we'll look out for it. I mean, obviously, we will all listen to it live, but for those of us who are poor, 
and don't have premium radio will listen to it at other times. Yeah. Speaking of, I know that we already talked a lot about streaming. I like, you know, I had to cancel a lot of services when I changed jobs just to like be really budget conscious. Um, but I wanted to keep Hulu because I do like just, you know, at the end of the day, just to be able to like watch kind of mindless television. Right. Mm-hmm. And Hulu has right, like right, the right. market on that. Um, there's like all 20 of the, the Kardashian reality shows and spinoffs are there. You've got like classic TV, like Dick Van Dyke and all of that. Um, but I had to downgrade to the subscription package that has commercials, which is only like five dollars a month. Ew! It's just funny though because like I'm still getting used to it. But last night I was watching TV before bed, and they showed a commercial for a horror movie that like had scary jumping moments in it, and was actually pretty creepy to be honest. And I'm like, you guys can't be doing that when I'm fixing to go to bed, and like I can't be the only one that's having to see this commercial gonna gonna be up here having nightmares up in this like that's how they get you to pay the extra for no commercials zach is they they do commercials that like re-traumatize you mm-hmm. um yeah so well, that happened that's unfortunate what uh what what's in the news what's in the wide world of news well um i think the obviously the big thing is the you know we're in like the fifth year of the 2020 presidential election right um so last week there was the big lgbt plus town hall and then um we're recording this on wednesday so last night was the debate um the first time that they had all of the candidates on stage um there's a new white guy i can't he's named like he's named at uh, <laughs> I, I okay. I'm trying to okay. I know that he's named after someone from one of the books. So I'm sitting here like Atticus. At, no, his name is like Tom Sawyer or say Tom, it's like Tom it's close Steyer? to Tom Sawyer. Tom Steyer. Yes, that's he's a billionaire. So it's very because I I kept like wanting to make references to like the book, but then once I'm like not looking at this person's name, I'm like, okay, his name I know wasn't Huckleberry. Was it like Atticus Finch or something? Like, like I only know like two or three books because like American authors haven't really been particularly. I'm good at writing, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, for some, I would check out our Patreon show and we'll, we'll give some really, uh, open opinions about the debates and the, the candidates. Cause it, it's pretty funny, but like, you know, okay. I think for you and I to go into it, we're going to have to, to like retreat to, you know, not our public podcast. We don't want to add the like E mark to this podcast. And there's just so much to say about these people. <laughs> Yeah, so plus, for what just yeah. five dollars a month on Patreon, they can get those episodes. <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of speaking of white guys, Zach, I I hate. I regret to inform you, the white men are at it again. Oh no! What are they doing? Headline: One hurt in fight that broke out at Burbank showing of Joker. What? A, a fight involving some kind of weapon broke out Tuesday night at a showing of Joker at the Burbank AMC inside Theater 15. When police arrived, they found a man upstairs with an injury from some sort of glass to the head. People say that they believe as me- police say they believe as many as 9 people were part of the fight, which involved again, which involved some sort of weapon. 
Zach, they don't go into specifics about anything, but I can only assume because it was a showing of Joker that it was a theater full of repressed white men getting after it with whatever they could find that they could turn into a weapon. Well, you know, you never know. That actually there were there was just a Saturday Night Live skit on this exact thing. I don't know if you saw it, but like the anchors, there were two white anchors and two black anchors. And they were, like, reading off crimes or stupid stories. And then once they, like, figured out if the person was white or black, like, each team was like, yes, not one of ours. I Um, I didn't see that. It was pretty funny because they're like, a man in Utah while rock climbing. And so then, like, the the black anchor looks over at the the white anchor and is like, "Mm, this one of y'all. And then his name (laughs) ends up being, like, a very traditionally, like, African-American name. And they're all like, what? Rock climbing? Um, I'll have to check that out. It's pretty funny. And then it, one of the end things ends up being a Latino, and they're both like, oh, who cares? Like, they both sides are like, not ours. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to see. I mean, there's – I guess it just depends on the weapon because there are patterns of these, like, creepy white guys that do commit crimes, and they, they tend to use guns. Um, that is true. But this said it was some sort of glass, so it was probably some drunken hijinks. Zach? We'll see. The other – what? Well, you continue. Was it still because I was going to give it a whole different news story? Yeah, I was too. I was going to, but you go, you go. Well, so another thing that is super important and so relevant, and everyone's life needs to stop to look at it, is that um, popular talk show host and actress Ellen and comedian Ellen De, uh, DeGeneres. Um, how do you say her last name? DeGeneres. She said it. DeGeneres. Okay, I'm always worried that I'm saying like degenerate. And I, I'm not here to insult anybody, even Ellen. Because, um, you know, she's funny, right? And for, I mean, for our listening audience, I think we're aware that, like, the, you know, the number of funny female comedians is quite low. Ooh, um, wow. Zach, at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Um, nobody, nobody knows how not funny most women are. Like, women are more aware of this than men. Okay, because we know from the classic song that boys will laugh at girls when they're not funny. Um, but anyway, so she's very talented, and so, you know, we don't get that many. And she's not as crash as, like, Chelsea Handler or any of that. Um, anyway, so she attended a baseball game, um, and she sat next to former President George W. Bush. Right. Um, and I guess they took selfies, or, you know, they, they interacted. She was, she was caught smiling gross um and then people criticized her for doing that they were like ellen don't do that um and so then ellen comes out and makes this whole statement where she's like here's the thing guys when i we need to be kind and get along with people who we don't agree with even if we disagree strongly and you know when i say be nice to everyone i mean everyone and it was such a controversy that it was literally like brought up at the presidential debates but it was you know it was all over the internet and then Mm -hmm. these like british columnists weigh in and are like discovering the iraq war for the first time which i'm sure that is traumatizing yeah everyone's Um, like there was the actress from the good place who was just like i i didn't know any of this existed type stuff yeah and it was like wow the real i mean the real question is, should we be punished for having friends who did 9-11, Zach? Like, if, it, if, that's, well, right. if that's the mark of ceasing to be friends with someone, then I'd say that no one will have any friends at all. 
I I agree. The the thing though is that like my take on this is that it it highlights how just like incapable we are of like being conscious of class. Like if you imagine Ellen and George W. Bush as being part of different as being on different teams, then you have just totally like you, it, that's ridiculous. And so they do not rec- they don't represent two competing factions and it's not like she just bought her ticket and she's like going down the row like okay h1 h2 h oh oh president bush (laughs) i mean obviously former presidents have secure like they they can't just go to things like there's security and there's a whole you know they have their so their secret service detail with them they you don't just run into former presidents Mm -hmm. um and you know, Ellen also has security, and she, you know, so I'm not saying it was some. Conspiracy. You just don't run I'm into saying, Ellen, Zach. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that—that that isn't to sound like, oh, this was some nefarious thing. It wasn't, but obviously, they—they they planned a, a, a hangout session, right? Like, right. They—they they didn't just happen to be seated next to each other, and you know, you have to recognize like they're from sort of the the sort of top ultra wealthy powerful connected class in society and so the fact that they you know have stated positions that are different on a couple boutique issues doesn't really matter like their interests are primarily essentially the same and so it's it's just odd to me that people are like wow if you know if George Bush and Ellen can get along, anyone can get along. It's well, like, guys, they're in the same class. I saw someone dug up a thing that showed that Ellen had given uh, President Trump and Melania a bassinet for Barron when he was born, and that bassinet had a gold chandelier attached to it as like a gag gift, right? But yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know. Well, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, again, like, like you know, with George Bush, like his image, if you notice, like the sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the, the elite class, whatever, they they started rehabilitating his image not long ago. I mean, it was when we had that just series of state funerals, and, like, every funeral, George Bush would pass, like, a peppermint to Michelle Obama, and it would get, everyone would, would laugh about it. And, <laughs> like, by the time, like, three, it took three pieces of candy for the world to, like, forget about the Iraq war. And so, like, these aren't competing factions, but... Um, it was just odd how first it happened and there was the initial backlash and then every, then Alan was like, no, we should get along. And I saw people posting like, this is so inspiring, um, yada, yada, which, you know, LOL. But the, and then there was the backlash again after people were like, well, I thought it was inspiring. And then did you hear about the war in Afghanistan? The, uh, the Iraq? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, people. Um, so, you know, I mean, I... Again, like, I'd sit next to any of these people and have a good time. Like, I'm nice to people that are wrong about a lot of things. And some of them are, you know, arguably just evil people. But, you know, you can enjoy a baseball game with anyone. It's baseball. Yeah, well, this was football. But your point point is the same. Wait, were they at a Cowboys game? Yeah. Okay, well, I, yeah, that's embarrassing. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. I was thinking that it was a Rangers game. Um, so, I... Um, yeah, it was Cowboys, but it, uh, wow. One final note. We have an actual topic we need to get into here, but sure. I, I don't want to end on a bad, on a sad note, but Zach, I, 
The federal debt is up uh, up a lot again, and I don't know what this means, but I'm going to read to you all the numbers that the federal debt is up, and uh, and we can discuss. We can just kind of shake our head and lament the idea that this is happening. Okay. One two zero three three four three five seven zero two five three point five five. Zach, can you do that again with the commas? One comma two zero three comma three four three comma five seven zero comma two five three point five five. Okay, so that's what the deficit—that's the federal deficit. I don't know. Uh, but that's what the no, that's what the debt. The debt. No, no, it's the debt. No, no, the I'm debt, pretty the sure debt's got a, the debt's closer to twenty trillion. That's one trillion that you're reading off. So that's I think that's a current the current year's debt would be like the deficit. Like how much? No, that's how much to, it increased. Okay, yeah, yeah. The debt went up by that, which is the debt in. So like, if your debt was a hundred dollars and then you had a deficit of ten dollars, your debt would now be a hundred and ten dollars. Oh, does that no. make sense? Yeah, it does. So, like, that's what that is. Because there was, like, one year that, at least on paper, when um, William Jefferson Clinton, um, noted rapist, was president, he there was no budget <laughs> deficit. Um, and a lot of people got confused and thought that we had, like, paid off our national debt, which we had not. We just, you know, for that year, we didn't add to it. Or we didn't add much. It just kind of depends. Because there's a million... With a lot of these numbers are not as cut and dry as they sound. But, like, that year was, you know, um, you know, a good budget year. We've only had two years since World War II where we didn't add to the national debt. Um, it's not super... Like, I, I'm kind of of the mind that that doesn't really... The debt doesn't matter that much. Um, I agree. But adding a trillion to it is a lot. Like, the... You kind of Trump and Obama have been sort of the most like they just don't care, and like they make no apology. Like he, Obama never really made any apologies for the deficit, and he had years where it was low. Um, you know, Bush ran this four hundred billion dollar deficit one year, and it was like I was going to say the sky is falling, but that's kind of insensitive given like the events of his presidency. Um, but the uh, Everyone freaked out about that, and then Obama ran a trillion-dollar deficit and just kind of was like, you know, it's what we got to do, and people mm-hmm. were fine with it. And then I think Trump's just been running trillion-dollar deficits year after year. But it, the debt's an issue people pretend to care about um, when when it hurts the other side. Of course. And overall, with, like, an economy the size of ours, you know, $20 trillion in debt is actually not that big of a deal, Um despite what people on TV that want to sell you gold bricks say. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well... But, I mean, obviously, spending habits could be better. It's just our our currency and our economics are propped up by, like, our military position. So assuming we don't lose our military advantage throughout the world, there's really no way our economy... Like, we can just keep running up debt, like, infinitely. We need to start cha- charging for this financial advice we give out on this podcast. But that uh, I know let's... you get so many people that like they have all these like things to say, but they don't have the technical background and training that we have. <laughs> yeah, and one of us. Has. So a lot of their stuff is sloppy. Their facts are messy. It's just embarrassing. Like we're sad for them. Um, but anyway, so yeah, 
let's let's move on to our topic here. Okay. So, Zach, a few months ago, I was in Indiana visiting three-time guest of the show and friend of the show, Caitlin, and her husband, Alex, and their children. And when I was there, they said, hey, we got you a book. And I said, that's very nice of you. What is it? And they handed it to me, and it was Humanum Genus, the encyclical by Pope Leo XIII on Freemasonry. And I thought it would be good to like go through that and talk about it on the podcast. Do you think that would be enjoyable? Because we always we always make jokes about Freemasonry and we always talk about it, but I thought it would be thought it would be interesting to go through and see what the actual encyclical talks about. Yeah, I think that'd be great to talk about. The Freemasons that you there you do always have to keep tabs on them. So I think maybe just giving people some background and you know letting them know the the popes have gone into detail on on this. Uh, there's even an encyclical. Um, so yeah, I think that would be just great to talk about. Okay, so what I'm going to do it's I'm going to kind of go through and I'm going to just go through the encyclical piece by piece and I'm going to read quotes and we can kind of talk about what this means and how it how it how it be zach okay how does it be matt so (laughs) the encyclical it's humanum genus it's h-u-m-a-n-u-m-g-e-n-u-s like i said by pope can we we talk about how when you first um told me about this you were like i was like oh what is it called thinking i'd heard of it and you're like it starts with what did you say like an f or something you said a d and i was like a d and then, then you're like, no, it's humanum genus. And I was like, that doesn't start with a D. No, it didn't start with a D, but, you know, it's okay. We moved on. We, we, rec- we reconciled our friendship, and here we are. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Pope Leo the Thirteenth, April 20th, 1884, Zach. So, you know, these things were happening way, way back then. Okay, so it starts out by setting the stage that there are those who are with God and those who are against God, as we already know. He he goes into the idea of the two kingdoms, and then he quotes St. Augustine that there are two things, uh, that these two things are contrary in laws because they are contrary in objects that they strive for, right? Those that are with God strive for things of God, and those that are against God don't strive for those same things, Um pretty obvious one is love of self with contempt for god and one is love of god with contempt for self at this period however the partisans of evil seem to be combining together and to be struggling with united vehemence led on or assisted by that strongly organized and widespread association called the freemasons no longer making any secret of their purposes They are now boldly rising up against God himself. They are planning the destruction of Holy Church publicly and openly, and this with with the set purpose of utterly despoiling the nations of Christendom, if it were possible. So that's how they set the stage. Okay. It's interesting because there was no, there's no real detail on how the Freemasons got started, which I thought was interesting, but I also thought it would probably bog this down if they're like, going back to in the year 1400 this and that right so they basically right. just wanted to cut straight to the point and tell you that uh 
this is this is we all we all know what this is at this point obviously they're like the pope is saying we know what this is and here is why this is wrong mm-hmm. so then he immediately follows up the first with what the pope's duty is okay so he says that it's the purpose of the office to point out the danger to mark those who are the adversaries and to the best of our power to make head against their plans and devices that those may not perish whose salvation is committed to us and that the kingdom of Jesus Christ entrusted to our charge may not only stand and remain whole, but may be enlarged by an ever increasing growth throughout the world. Okay. So that the, he immediately launches into what the Pope in this case, him or his predecessors uh, need to do. And he taught, he immediately goes into the predecessors have been on alert for this. So, the first warning of this danger was given by Clement the Twelfth in the year 1738, and his constitution was confirmed and renewed by Benedict the Fourteenth, Pius the Seventh, and Leo the Twelfth. Uh, and in the same sense, spoke Pius the Eighth, Gregory the Sixteenth, and many times over by Pius the Ninth. Okay, so he basically is like we forming this team of popes like we're all in this this is the this is the lineage of we've seen this coming and now it's up to me pope leo the 13th to put it down in writing and really kick this thing off right um and you know the the church wasn't the only people kind of beating this drum like um up to the north uh the english parliament had you know banned freemasonry and had it disbanded multiple times you know with a full-out law against unlawful societies um in 1799 um and there was even a movement against it in the united states because um the freemasons had kidnapped a man named william morgan um and so there was briefly even like an actual anti-masonic party that made that like their whole thing so i mean it, it you know it didn't it wasn't simply the church that has been opposed to it like essentially decent civilized society has always opposed freemasonry um historically Mm -hmm. so he then he goes into the next thing and talks about how once all this was discovered it was very important for the holy see to act and to forbid any of the members of the church in to joining the masons so he wanted to Mm -hmm. make it clear that if you are a part of the catholic church you cannot be a freemason so Masons rose to power over 150 years. And at some point they were able, in the words of Pope Leo XIII, to infiltrate every rank of the state. Right. The, and this is true. I mean, you look at what a lot of people don't necessarily understand when you look at history, when you have you know, the French Revolution and you have um, these you know, different, like very violent events where kind of the 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 order of society was overthrown um there were you know executions and riots and all that kind of stuff um it always went back to the freemasons or similar organizations um and so you know the so much they were so successful in their endeavors that a lot of things that they put forth we sort of just take for granted right um and that's you know that's one of the things that people sort of forget is when you talk about the stuff that they're doing, it's like, well, they did accomplish it. So it's kind of hard to dismiss it as a conspiracy theory because like that, that, you know, p- 
policy objective, if you will, or that goal of Freemasonry has been achieved, you know, pretty much throughout the civilized world and is is to the point that we don't even notice it anymore. Right. So there are some things that we'll touch on here that kind of make that point pretty clear. Like cool. it, it, it as I was reading through it and like, oh well this is obviously correct. But he he also wanted to make a point and say such a condition has been reached that henceforth there will be grave reason to fear not indeed for the church, for her foundation is much too firm to be overturned by the effort of men, but for those states in which prevails the power either of the sect of which we are speaking or of other sects not dissimilar which lend themselves to it as disciples and subordinates. So Pope Leo XIII again wanted to make it clear that this is this is a matter that is going to try and attack the church and they won't be successful, but they will do that through the means of the state. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, obviously, obviously, we know that the church can't, will never fall. So he wanted to, you know, make that clear. He, he kind of goes and he talks about some of the other encyclical letters that had to do with what he said. Ref, that we, he said, we endeavored to refute the monstrous, monstrous doctrines of the socialists and communists. We took pains to defend and explain the true and genuine idea of domestic life, of which marriage is the spring and origin. We described the ideal of political government conformed to the principles of Christian wisdom, which is marvelously in harmony on the one hand with the natural order of things, and on the other with the well-being of both sovereign princes and of nations. It is now our intention, following the examples of our predecessors, directly to treat of the Masonic society itself, of its whole teachings, of its aims, and of its manner of thinking and acting in order to bring more and more into the light its power for evil and to do what we can to arrest the contagion of this fatal plague. There's some very harsh language in here, which I really like. He he doesn't mince words about it, using, you know, using things like fatal plague and other things like that. Mm-hmm. So he, he talks about the these organized bodies differing in names, ceremonies, forms, origin can be bound by a community of purpose. And Freemasonry is kind of the center where they all go forth and where they all keep returning. And at one point, this they were kind of more secret, but it had, it had come to the point where they were no, no longer hiding and they were very open and they were very vocal. But they still have some of the you know some of the other they hide they still hide things with extreme care right they're they're kind of open and vocal about some things but like with these secret societies they're secret societies for a reason right and the freemasons they take oaths to never conceal any secrets and admit no witnesses but to their own members never reveal secrets right unless they're yeah unless they're speaking and Pope Leo XIII says, as a convenient manner of concealment, they assume the character of li- character of literary men and scholars associated for purposes of learning. They speak of their zeal for a more cultured refinement and of their love for the poor, and they declare their one wish to be an amorilier. <laughs> Oops, here's a word I can't say. Amor amelioration 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 I did it of the condition of the masses and to share with the largest possible number all the benefits of civil life right so he it 
he's saying they'll they'll basically they hide in plain sight and they're 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 right around the corner willing to get you right and you know the band that you're talking about still exists i mean mm-hmm. even you know pope benedict the 16th um before he was pope he was asked to clarify that because um the code of canon law that's currently in force doesn't have language that explicitly identifies and forbids freemasonry people thought okay well the last code did so does this change mean that we're able to be freemasons um and the quote you know from pope benedict was the church's negative judgment in regard to masonic association remains unchanged since their principles have always been considered irreconcilable with the doctrine of the church and therefore membership in them remains forbidden the faithful who enroll in masonic associations are in a state of grave sin and may not receive holy communion wow yeah, so that, the next thing... So, I mean, if you find yourself in that position, I, you know, perhaps you didn't know, um, and we'll get into why you maybe just wouldn't have realized that for a while, you, you know, you, you need to just formally renounce masonry and go to confession, and, and then you can go back to communion. But obviously, until then, of course, you, you need to make sure not to approach the altar. So that's what Pope Leo Thirteenth touches on next, is the evil fruits of masonry. Okay. Talking about how a good tree a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor a bad tree produce good fruit. Right. Uh, so no matter how great may be men's cleverness in concealing and their experience in lying, it is impossible to prevent the effects of any cause from showing. Now the Masonic sect produces fruits that are pernicious and of the bitterest savor. For from what we have above most clearly shown, that which is their ultimate purpose forces itself into view, namely the utter overthrow of that whole religious and political order of the world which the Christian teaching has produced and the substitution of a new state of things in accordance with their ideas, of which the foundation and laws shall be drawn from mere naturalism. So naturalism is the next thing we're going to talk about. But that kind of goes, like you said, the, the only something is acceptable if the church brings it into the church and the church has never brought freemasonry which is opposed to the church into the church right so there is no reconciling on the freemasonry part so it just doesn't become it just doesn't become good because time passes right right it's not like it's not like that was 1884 we're in 2019 and time has passed like no it it was started with nefarious by like with nefarious intentions and a and a bad tree does not produce good fruit right i mean it continues to hold to ideas that are um in opposition to catholicism on like very high level important topics and so it i mean you know i hypothetically were they to reform themselves or whatever you know perhaps something would change i you know but um as it currently stands the ideas put forth by masonry and their treatment of things, especially with regard to religion and the church is in direct contradiction with the, um, the faith started by Jesus Christ and the Catholic church. Um, and so it's not something that you can, you know, be a part of, um, you know, as a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. So, but then Pope Leo goes on and he says that, Freemasonry compromises the associations kindred to it and confederate with it, but not of the individual members of it. There may be persons who, although not free from the guilt of entangling themselves in such associations, 
but are not partners in criminal acts, not aware of the ultimate object to obtain. So this is him saying, like, like, I know that there might be some of you out there who are Catholic and are Freemasons, and it was wrong of you to get involved with them. But if you do not know the evil intentions, you are basically absolved so long as you leave. Right. Right. It's like you didn't know until now. So, you know, hey, you're fine. But like starting now, you know. And so, you know, now you you have to act accordingly. But, you know, maybe you didn't know. Yeah. So the Masonic Federation is to be judged not so much by the things which it has done or brought to completion as by the sum of its pronounced opinions. So, again, the Masonic Federation may do things which are you know good on the surface but really which is like the okay so they run hospitals yeah um the shriners right the shriners are masons right and so yes they have hospitals that they run and it it is actually permissible even and i you know i've i've had people i know who are medical professionals have said that yes you can be a nurse at a you know a shriner hospital and that doesn't constitute being part of the masons you know if there's somewhere else you could be a nurse, that would be good. But, um, you know, we're not like, we're able to see certain things as transactional. And so, you know, a hospital is a, a place that um, provides medical service. And so being a medical provider does not entangle you with the sort of ownership of the hospital in most circumstances. So that's right. something to like, Maybe just, you know, individual cases might say that. But I, I do know um, that that was a question people had because we have a large Shriner Hospital in Dallas, or it's a Scottish Rite. And, um, you know, it, it, what the Catholics I know that work there, so, you know, they spoke with their pastor, um, you know, who explained to them the importance of opposing Masonry, um, you know, when was informed on the issue and concerned about it, doesn't say, oh, you know, that's just old stuff that didn't matter after the council, like actually looked into it. And so, again, that's where we're, membership in Freemason is is one thing, like being part of a lodge, but, you know, being a nurse at a Shriner hospital is, is a different thing. And you'll just want to check with a priest who, who takes these things seriously to make sure that, in, you know, you're, there's a good chance you're not doing anything wrong. Okay, so now we get to this stuff about naturalism. So this is the this is the fault behind Freemasonry. Besides all the one of them, what's up? One of them. Besides well, I was going to say the besides revolutions and chopping yeah, off heads. And yeah, that no, no, no. I'm saying besides what it boils down to is this right. naturalistic ideology. Okay. Now, the fundamental doctrine of the naturalists, which they sufficiently make known by their very name, is that human nature and human reason ought in all things to be mistress and guide. Laying this down, they care little for duties to God or pervert them by erroneous and vague opinions, for they deny that anything has been taught by God. They allow no dogma of religion or truth which cannot be understood by human intelligence, nor any teacher who ought to be believed by reason of his authority. And since it is special, the special and inclusive duty of the Catholic Church fully to set forth in words truths divinely received to teach, besides other divine helps to salvation, the authority of its office, and to defend the same with the perfect purity, it is against the Church that the rage and the attacks of the enemies are principally directed. And Masonry upholds this naturalism. 
So, you know, with naturalism, um, what it does is you, I almost think of it as like an exercise of, well, you know, absent uh, any kind of authority like the church to, you know, provide, you know, to give teachings and to, to, to um, safeguard and transmit divine revelation. You know, what do you think is true? What, you know, what are your thoughts here? And it's basically kind of saying, you know, your your way of thinking is just as good as my way of thinking, which is just as good right. as the church's and the pope's way of thinking. Um, making these things kind of a matter of not necessarily personal opinion, but certainly per, private interpretation. Um, and that's where they do have, you know, really strong religious indifference. I, I've, I've known Freemasons who have defended... Um, you know, being parties organizations saying, well, you are supposed to believe in God, but it doesn't specify, you know, what God or or that there's a Trinity or this or that. And, right. You know, it's like, well, here's the thing, guys, is actually we have, uh, you know, God himself gave us um, a, a society, the Catholic Church, to teach us these things. And so building an organization on the assumption that this is an open question um, is a problem. Um, it is a problem to to promote the idea that there's no no answers and that we don't know anything. I mean, there's there's plenty, and you know, the mystics show this. There's so much between God and man in the spiritual realm that it is something of a mystery and can be deeply personal. You know, if you look at any of the great mystic saints, but you know whether God's a Trinity or not is not one of them. Whether you know, um, you know whether it's a sin to steal. You know, I mean, those things are not subject to price. Certain things have already been spoken to. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the spiritual writers explain that, you know, with with doctrine and what's been revealed from the church, from both the dogmatic side, like, you know, Mary was immaculately conceived, and then the moral side, like the Ten Commandments and those things, those are like the baseline that the spiritual life rests upon. So if you're back debating... You know, do we have to go to mass on Sunday? Then that that kind of shows you haven't begun on the spiritual path yet, and so that's why it's so harmful to call into question, you know, things that are not in fact questions, and to sort of start from a fresh, you know, well, what do I think is true? Like from a blank slate, when you know, as a matter of history, it's not a blank slate. The man Jesus Christ, who was God founded the church for this purpose and he founded the church to be a sort of unifying force for the world that's why we call it the catholic church and you know for that to happen states and entities have to look to the church for guidance on matters of faith and morals which is another reason that freemasonry is a problem because you know freemasonry is kind of how you get from the understanding of the church as you know the teacher of nations and, right. and something that holds together civilization to being you know a nonprofit organization that you can give money to that and join and leave at will it, it it completely redefines the church as from a society founded by Jesus Christ for the whole world to being you know a a, a club that you're free to join so that's what pope leo says he says he goes through three points that says masonry attacks Christ's church through speech and mm-hmm. through writing, and even the rights of the church are not spared. Masonry assails Christ's vicar, which calls into question the authority of the pope, and then masonry undermines all religion. So basically they do that by, like you said, just kind of making it that all religions are the same, not undermining it by by 
making it not unique or special, not by right. not so by a full out assailant, of, not by like a full out assault on the the religions themselves. But they, like you said, they treat it as if there's there's no truth and if there everything is okay. This says in here the sect of the Freemasons, by a similar course of error, is exposed to some of these dangers. For although in a general way they may profess the existence of God, they themselves are witnesses that they do not maintain this truth with the full assent of mind or with a firm conviction. So it's, like you said, it's just kind of, yeah, we believe in a God, but it's not very specific. Right. And, you know, people, because we're Americans, you know, will get in this kind of, they want to see a neutrality and, you know, for every religion to be treated the same. But it, it, it is wrong to treat true religion and false religion the same mm-hmm. as if as if it's an open question. And so, you know, it is an attack on the Catholic Church to try to treat it the way that you would treat, you know, the first church of what's happening now down the street. You know, the Catholic Church was founded by Jesus Christ with a very specific mission. The church down the street, you know, that that was started by some guy um, is a different thing, and, and you know it, the church is very clear that we're not to you know we're not to go riot in those buildings, and mm-hmm. we're to be charitable towards them. And you know to the extent that they're engaging in baptism, those are still things that are part of the Catholic faith. Um, but you know it, it certainly says that you, the state isn't supposed to be the state is taking a position when the state treats the Catholic Church the way it treats all these other entities because the state is in the, you know, that is a stance that isn't actually being neutral because the, the fact that's revealed is the nature of the church as understood throughout Christian society, really until Freemasonry really took hold and these revolutions began happening. So he kind of goes through the next few points. They hit on the loss of natural truths. Like we Mm -hmm. said that, uh, that basically, yeah, that there's everything is everything is everything. This leads to an effect on the on actual morality. Morality becomes questioned, and you is there is there like our passions bad? You know, it leads it just kind of brings out in men just no concern for their action, and then that leads mm-hmm. to a no no foundation for justice. Right. If morality and natural truths are done away with, then there will be no knowledge of what constitutes justice or injustice. Freemasons believe in civil, independent, and free, not containing religious beliefs. So that's kind of what we touch about when we were kind of talking about our everybody's a liberal, just talking about the idea of independence and freedom and things like that. Like, we're not, I'm not full out accusing people of masonry, but I'm saying it kind of works in the same as that. Like, it's at the end of the day, if that's what you care about, then that's those are kind of empty, right? Right. I mean, so these ideas have very clearly taken hold um, and, you know, have become sort of accepted as common to where a lot of people don't you know, don't necessarily even know um, how things were before these current problems rose up over the past few centuries. Um, And that's, yeah, like with liberalism, we're talking about, you know, a system, a a concept that, you know, was essentially born out of the French Revolution or kind of in the 18th century. Um, 
with free, you know, Freemasonic involvement, we aren't talking about the sort of Fox News definition of "oh, you're a liberal because you want free health care." We're, you know, we're talking about the nature of how the the civil governments relate to the Catholic Church. We're talking about, um, you know, the the Catholic Church's jurisdiction to operate worldwide without being hindered by the state, which was always understood in the past as being, um, you know sacrosanct you, mm-hmm. you, you didn't the church didn't have to like ask permission you know kind of like we have a current situation where like you know if the federal government wants to do something you, that trumps what the states want to do you know it, it's kind of analogous to that understanding that like you know the king of you know some country like england or something can't just overrule the church on that matter because you know the church has a mission from god and that's been understood for a thousand you know now two thousand years um obviously in reality it plays out differently and that's where you end up with problems like protestantism and and liberalism and you know so much of that is bound up in the freemasons as far as their ability to organize and kind of hash out what their actual demands were so they could make them happen instead of it just being like let's get together and talk and talk and talk and talk like the the lodges were very organized and they still are it's just that now it's kind of a place where you know middle-aged men go to play cards and drink coffee um they don't seem threatening mm-hmm. um where they currently are but that's also because you know they've basically achieved their entire vision of you know of society so what what do they have to do at this point so he says for wherever by removing christian education the sect has begun more completely to rule their goodness and integrity of morals have begun quickly to perish monstrous and shameful opinions have grown up and the audacity of evil deeds has risen to a high degree all this is commonly complained of and deplored and not a few of those who by no means wish to do so are compelled by abundance evidence to give not infrequently the same testimony. And then he goes straight into how we're the weakness of our nature, how we're more disposed to vice than virtue. Uh, Freemasons think free will is not weakened and not inclined to evil. They exaggerate natural virtue and excellence as the model for rule of justice and they think that there's no need to rule the passions, okay? So then he gets goes into the gospel of pleasure, which he says that the Freemasons follow. For since generally no one is accustomed to obey crafty and clever men so submissively as those whose soul is weakened and broken down by the do- domination of the passions, there have been in the sect of Freemasons some who have plainly determined and promo- proposed that artfully and of set purpose the multitude should be satiated with a boundless license of vice as when this has had been done it would easily come under their power and authority for any acts of daring so the in a way right since we're weak people we can be controlled easier and we can just give in to the idea of naturalism more if they attack the passions because the passions and the emotions are what move us and they're the easiest things. Like we all we all see when we get upset about something, we're more we're more apt to do something wrong, right? So if we te- if we attack that, then that's then that's the way that they can basically destroy the destroy the culture, as it were. Right, and I mean, 
you know that's that so basically they're saying you know man is as as even the church teaches you know man is the rational um animal and you know people have consciences and you know they can they can kind of figure this out on their own um you know without the church but the the catch there is that you know if man didn't need the church on matters like this then Jesus wouldn't have taken the time to start it so um right. this is i mean the ultimate i think rebuttal to that argument is i mean yeah people are capable of good and there are going to be people in every environment who um you know essentially behave appropriately and conduct themselves with right morals um but the idea that the church's oversight isn't necessary on these things um you know really contradicts just the fact that our lord started the church for that purpose so obviously you know god's stance that he articulated when he was on earth is that we do need the church um the whereas the the, the freemason stance is that we do not and that we just need our our human reason like we had human reason before we had the catholic church so were that if that had been enough then there wouldn't have been you know the need for jesus to come to earth and start the catholic church that's right. So then next he goes into the teaching on marriage. He says, Naturalists believe marriage belongs to the genus of commercial contracts, which can be rightly revoked by those who made them. Civil rulers have power over this bond. It, thus is the time thus the time is quickly coming when marriages will be turned into another kind of contract that is into changeable and uncertain unions which fancy may join together and which the same may change and when changed may disunite and then he goes on to education principles that freemasons so like with the marriage thing just to inject real quick like recognize that at there were at the time there were people that laughed that off as being a conspiracy being put out by the papacy that that could ever be the default mode for society with regards to marriage and like look where we're at now right you know that yeah that that certainly come come true then the next is the educational principles that freemasons seek to educate the youth he says they think that they can easily mold to their opinions that soft and pilot that soft age and bend it whither they will and that nothing can be more fitted than this to enable them to bring up the youth of the state after their own plan so they don't they don't want to they don't want to share the teaching with those of the church and they want to basically make it into just think you know things to get their own freemason way and this leads right well no i was just going to say and again this was just this was very clearly understood throughout christian civilization that you know the church is sort of the teacher of of individuals and nations and so the idea that you know states would would be have you know be creating and authorizing curriculum and you know getting involved in these things without deferring to the church on these matters is a revolutionary concept and obviously today i mean you know notice how no child left behind didn't wasn't you know put forth you know with by the catholic bishops it was put forth by the united states government right so again it shows you that you know the the mission for which the church was founded for the world um, is being contradicted, and the church is being reduced to, like we've said, this sort of, you know, the church can have Catholic schools that, you know, are private, and you can opt out of the 
the you know the default schools to go to that. So I mean, the church still has this like limited ability to operate, but the states aren't yielding to the church any longer. the The states are ruling on these matters that are properly um, the jurisdiction of the church to to oversee. So then they do that. Then that leads to their political doctrines. Naturalists lay down that all men have the same right and are in every respect of equal and like condition, that each one is naturally free, that no one has the right to command another, that it is an act of violence to require men to obey any authority other than that which is obtained from themselves. And then he calls it communism the sequel, Zach, in their endeavor to obtain equality and community of all goods by the destruction of every distinction of rank and property. So just making it a blob of people with no actual, there's no authority. The only authority is the authority you place on yourself and give to yourself and that you can render that authority over what you choose in your own life. Right. And so, again, when we say, you know, the, the classic Twitter thing, like we live in a society, um, it's, it's sort of that is in contradiction to Freemasonry, which kind of makes everything voluntary. And this is why you have, you know, as a society, it's a naturally occurring thing that certain people, you know, have disabilities. And, you know, the idea that you should only, people with disabilities should only be helped if, you know, if enough people voluntarily want to help them, you know, that that is there. And that, you know, so when I talk about how prior to liberalism, you know, in Christendom, there was, for people on the margins, a much better situation. It was because you didn't have to rely on everybody just voluntarily wanting to help people. There was an understanding of humanity and that there's people who need whose needs and need for support are greater than those of others and that that's not something where you just cross your fingers and hope enough people want to do it. That's something that injustice, you know, as part of being a human society, it acknowledges actual humanity. Um you know, and, and furthermore, these attempts to do this equal thing, like we obviously as Catholics know that, you know, all people, man, woman, are, are, have the same dignity. They're equal in dignity. Um, but what ends up happening on a practical level when you disregard hierarchy in a society, um, which, you know, if you look throughout nature, hierarchy is extremely prevalent. You know, look at Look at you know, look at ants. Look at the lions. Look at the wolves. You know, look at whatever. When we when you try to disregard that, you run into these practical barriers because it doesn't correspond to reality. And so to overcome them, what you tend to do is they say, okay, here's the rights for all people, and then you just kind of have to draw a circle and say, okay, everyone outside this circle isn't actually a people, so they're going to be the ones that have to do, you know, the dirty jobs, and you know, we can't actually. F- function as a society if everybody has all these you know free-for-all rights so we're going to now you know define certain people as outside of of that you know you could use the concept of citizenship to do that where you say non-citizens don't get all these rights or whatever and you know that's where you look at the much more brutal relationship between kind of the lower working classes and the middle and upper class that you know, developed heavily in the 19th and 20th centuries, as opposed to with throughout Christendom, where you, of course, you had a hierarchy. Of course, there were people, you know, all the way at the very bottom of the pyramid, 
but the, there was a bit there was more of a harmony between all of these groups because it was understood that that's what it takes to have a society when you try to flatten that the only way to function practically is to essentially define people outside of you know being persons um, and you know the Protestants used to be very open about this. I mean, they had—I'm forgetting the name of the heresy—but this idea that you know when they come to, when they came to America that the indigenous people had you know a, a different genus of soul, and therefore you know you could you couldn't baptize them or save them or this they, they weren't they weren't man properly speaking, and so they didn't have to be treated as such. Um, you know that obviously is not the position that Protestants hold anymore. But, um, you know, the church had to actually formally condemn this idea that there were, you know, people that were people by all respects, but somehow magically didn't have actual, you know, immortal human souls. Um, so, again, that's the, the trick with this egalitarian stuff and of trying to disregard any sort of hierarchy is that it, it always makes things essentially more brutal for the people who inevitably have to be sort of placed beneath the the status of person. Masonry means paganism, Zach. Their chief dogmas are so greatly and manifestly at variance with reason that nothing can be more perverse. To wish to destroy the religion and the church which God himself has established and whose perpetuate excuse me and whose perpetuity sorry i'm choking on my words he ensured by his protection and to bring back after a lapse of 18 centuries the manners and customs of the pagans is signal folly and audacious impiety in this insane and wicked endeavor we may almost see the hatred and spirit of revenge with which Satan himself is inflamed against Jesus Christ. So also the studious endeavor of the Freemasons to destroy the chief foundations of justice and honesty and to cooperate with those who would wish as if they were mere animals to do what they please tends only to the disgraceful ruin of the human race. So yeah, pretty harsh words there. He then goes into, I mean, that's what he, then he goes into the dangers of society. I don't, I mean, we've, we've kind of just talked about that this entire time, so we don't have to rehash that. He talks about true and false equality, how all men are equal in origin and dignity, but not in ability, like we were talking about. If, if they are all to be equal and each is to follow his own will, the state will appear most deformed. But if, with the distinction of degrees of dignity of pursuits and employments, all aptly conspire for the common good, they will present a natural image of a well-constituted state. And he talks about a threat to the states. If fear of God and reverence for divine laws is removed, authority is despised, and passions urged to, to lawlessness, then it will lead to a deliberately planned overthrow. So that's like the weakening of the weakening of people leading to an uh basically overthrow of society right and he Mm -hmm. says that these the people and the leaders have been deceived by smooth speeches which is always nice to read nevertheless the expectation of the benefits 
which were hoped for was greater than the reality. Indeed, the common people more oppressed than they were before are deprived in their misery of that solace, which if things had been arranged in a Christian manner, they would have had with ease and in abundance. So basically (laughs) saying that if things were just put forth as the church wanted them, you would have all these things that you are seeking of your own accord. Mm -hmm. The, the church ad, the church adds dignity to civil authority and authority must work with the church which is completely lost knowing these things both princes and people would act with political wisdom and according to the needs of general safety if instead of joining with the freemasons to destroy the church they join with the church in repelling their attacks and then he goes on is the final the final pieces are the pope's warning reiterated therefore whatsoever the roman pontiffs our predecessors have decreed for the purpose of opposing the undertakings and endeavors of the masonic sect and whatsoever they have enacted to deter or withdraw men from societies of this kind we ratify and confirm all by our apostolic authority and trusting greatly to the goodwill of Christians, we pray and beseech each one for the sake of his eternal salvation to be most consciously careful, not in the least to depart from what the apostolic see has commanded in this matter. And he ends by saying there must be no compromise with masonry. Sound religious instruction is needed. This is a united effort of clergy and laity because the clergy has to teach and the laity has to you know, be aware in their own life. He says that uh, there needs to be a promotion of the third order of St. Francis, which is the laity who make a profession to live out the gospel. There must We must restore Catholic guilds, and we must have a special guidance of youth because the youth are under attack, too. And then he ends, he ends by clo- having a call to prayer and action. So... That's basically that encyclical, Zach. Yeah, it's a good one. And I mean, how long do you think it took you to read it? I, it's pretty easy read. I, I mean, I was taking notes, right? So it took a little longer, but you could read it in about ten minutes, fifteen minutes. I mean, it's really yeah. And so the rest of you could probably do it in five. If Matt's <laughs> reading it in ten. Um, it's yeah, and there's it's one of the it, because of its popularity. No, you don't want to get too deep into like Masonic conspiracy theories. Like people, they go overboard with this, and they unfortunately in doing that they like lose sight of the issues. Like they that you know you get people that oh well the Masons were involved in nine eleven and this and that. And I mean obviously I have no idea. I, I I'm you know anything's possible, but um, the there's really no reason to like be going around accusing the masons of having orchestrated 9-11 or that you know the masons and there's all these conspiracies with the masons and the jews or the masons the illuminati and the thing is it's distracting from the fact that just the stated principles of masonry the things that they define themselves as being in favor of are in direct opposition to um, a rightly ordered christian civilization um, envisioned by jesus christ and so you don't yeah. have to get conspiratorial about well, that's, this. You can really stick with the boring facts. Yeah, that's what I liked about the encyclical is I didn't know what it was going into it, and I thought it would be some slam about the history and talking about these people, but it it's a really straightforward look at 
how this ideology can cripple a society as we've seen and it you it's about freemasonry but it can be about so many other things right like naturalism is the main root of what we're talking about and how naturalism spawns out and all these other things and you can just see it and it's it like we like we always it's tough because we did say like they on the surface do good things and you probably have met a freemason who's really nice and all this stuff and the niceness is not because of freemasonry right like they're they it's not because of this freemasonry that they can they they can do these things they can do these things and the church can do these things and it just happens that they're freemasons right like we have to get away from the idea that like it is good because of the mason thing that is happening does that make any sense Yes, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, and I think there's this unfortunate tendency with anything like this to get super worried about um, past situations. And to be like, well, okay, well, what if my you know great uncle was a Mason and he even had the full Masonic funeral, but he was like a really good person, you know, does he in heaven, yada, yada. And, you know, again, guys, I'm assuming that you're, for your uncle, you know, Freemasonry was kind of a fraternal organization to make friends and drink coffee and yeah. play cards. And so, you know, I just wouldn't worry about that. And I wouldn't use that to try to say that Freemasonry well, is harmless. Pope Leo so says I think that, you too. Say, right. And so even the Pope has assured you that, yes, you know, your your relatives who who joined the Masons, you know, to to, to see their friends— especially in the last, you know, 50 years, were, were, you know, highly likely probably not involved in anything nefarious. And, you know, the Pope himself has said not to worry. So I just wouldn't fret about that. And I wouldn't, like, you know, retroactively th- be paranoid about what your relatives were up to, <laughs> um, especially, you know, if they have passed. Because, you know, God sees everything. God judges people fairly. Um, he's not subject to, um, you know... In, internal bias or or anything like that and so you know you can trust that the all-loving god um you know has they did you know trust him on this and and don't worry don't try to relitigate the past and figure out you know the what was the culpability of my you know long deceased great uncle who was a mason and yada yada because again even back when they were more actively engaging in evil um, the popes pointed out that a lot of people, yeah, they they join these things not even knowing what they are. But you know, if you are a member, you do now that you've if you've listened to this, you got to get out. So, um, if anybody uh, quits the Masons because of this podcast, please let us know. Um, we'd be happy to to celebrate you. I agree. All right, we're getting kind of long. Uh, so, the saint of the week is Saint Callistus the first, Pope Saint Callistus the first. He was the Pope in the year 218, and his papacy ended in 222 when he was allegedly thrown down a well. That's unconfirmed, but that's what the legend... Don't you hate when that happens? The legend says that, yeah. Uh, or, or like, a bridge. It's, it's kind of... They say it's a well, but there's no historical foundation, although the place that he is said to die has a well. He is the patron of cemetery workers and his feast day is october 14th so that's that that's uh pope saint callistus the first anything else before we wrap up zach 
I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I think we've covered it. Okay. Um, and looking forward to some uh, future episodes we have coming up. We have like cool interviews lined up and different things, and um, we're also doing more of the kind of freak show podcast, which is behind the payroll, but um, it's totally worth it because we have a lot of fun with that, um, and you all should should definitely sign up. All right, gang. We will talk to you next week. Yeah.